Good morning. Psalm 37. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand and somebody, I think somebody, will volunteer to get you one. Psalm 37, this will be our our last psalm uh, in this series, and then we will um, study something else, (laughs) and then I'll come running back to the psalms to get my head out of the water. Uh, So I think I'm going to start study through Romans, uh, but not starting next week. Uh, Next week will be a one-off because then we'll have our, our Easter sermon. All right, Psalm 37, the word of the Lord. This is a, uh, a psalm you'll notice right away. The, the genre has, has changed. It's, uh, it's, it's wisdom uh, literature. Very, very, very straightforward. Receive the word of God today. Do not be agitated by evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong. For they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants. Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him and he will act, making your righteousness shine like the dawn and your justice like the noonday. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. Do not be agitated by one who prospers in his way by the person who carries out evil plans. Refrain from anger and give up your rage. Do not be agitated. It can only bring harm. And here's the key word, all right? For, verse 9. Here's why we do all the things we just read. For, evildoers will be destroyed, but those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while when the wicked person will be no more, though you look for him, he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and will enjoy abundant prosperity. The wicked person schemes against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. The Lord laughs at him because he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and strung the bow to bring down the poor and the needy and to slaughter those whose way is upright. Their swords will enter their own hearts and their bows will be broken. The little that the righteous person has is better than the abundance of many wicked people. For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord supports the righteous. The Lord watches over the blameless all their days, and their inheritance will last forever. They will not be disgraced in times of adversity. They will be satisfied in days of hunger. But the wicked will perish The Lord's enemies, like the glory of the pastors, will fade away. They will fade away like smoke. The wicked person borrows and does not repay. But the righteous one is gracious and giving. Those who are blessed by the Lord will inherit the land. But those who are cursed by him will be destroyed. A person's steps are established by the Lord, and he takes pleasure in his way. Though he falls, he will not be overwhelmed because the Lord supports him with his hand. 
I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous abandoned or his children begging for bread. He is always generous, always lending, and his children are a blessing. Turn away from evil, do what is good, and settle permanently. For the Lord loves justice, and he will not abandon his faithful ones. They are kept safe forever, but the children of the wicked will be destroyed. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it permanently, dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom. His tongue speaks what is just. The instruction of his God is in his heart. His steps do not falter. The wicked one lies in wait for the righteous and intends to kill him. The Lord will not leave him in the power of the wicked one or allow him to be condemned when he is judged. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will watch when the wicked are destroyed. I have seen a wicked, violent person, well-rooted, like a flourishing native tree. Then I passed by and noticed he was gone. I searched for him, but he could not be found. Watch the blameless and observe the upright, for the person of peace will have a future, but transgressors will be eliminated. The future of the wicked will be destroyed. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord, their refuge in a time of distress. The Lord helps and delivers them. He will deliver them from the wicked and will save them because they take refuge in him. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for Psalm 37. Thank you for uh, your people and the opportunity, Lord, that we have to gather together. I pray today we take full advantage of just sitting under the authority of your word for us. Such grace and mercy and love and compassion, Lord, that you have for your people in saving us and such grace and mercy and love and compassion that you speak to us through your word. Or may you receive all glory today as we receive grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, another psalm about God saving his people. Imagine that. Another psalm, right, about God saving his people from the wicked. It's as if David has an obsession with the wicked in Psalm 37. Wicked, 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 the wicked people, the wicked people. Another psalm declaring good news to the people of God which we desperately need to hear every single Sunday morning. Now we have, in verses 9 through 40, we have truth declared to us. I'm going to flip the script on David and start with truth. There are clear, in one, verses 1 through 9 especially, a section on what we are to be doing. But when we just run out and start trying to do a bunch of stuff, putting the cart before the horse, a lot of times we're doing a bunch of stuff and don't even know why we're doing it. And we're, then when we do that, we a lot of times can cause more, more harm than good. Um, I'll give you a, a, an example. Oftentimes in America, from the pulpit, you constantly hear about the Great Commission, but rarely do you hear about the Great Commandment. And that's putting the cart before the horse. You have a, a generation upon generation after generation running out to go save the world and yet, they don't, they've forgotten the great commandment. They don't even know really that much about the God they supposedly are trying to win people's souls to. 
And we're not going to do that here today. We are first going to ground what we are to do in truth. Uh, me and Adam had a great talk about this just this week, and I told him, I was like, bro, you're, this is my sermon, which is just the renewing of the mind that has to take place before you go off doing anything for the Lord. Our minds have got to be renewed, and they aren't just renewed once, and then we're done, and now we can know they need to constantly be being renewed. What do they need to be renewed by? They need to be renewed by the Word of God. And today, we have all these glorious truths. So, um, I, did anybody listen to the Theocast podcast this week? The last few minutes? So, me and the elders were talking, so encouraging, such confirmation to hear them talk about application, right? Psalm 37, I could just get up here and preach a sermon on verses 9 through 40 and then trust the Holy Spirit in your life to go figure it out, to apply the word to your own life. Because it's as your mind is being renewed that tr you will be sanctified. You will grow in good works to your neighbor. You will do the things that you're supposed to do. You won't do them perfectly, but you don't constantly need somebody getting up here every Sunday and telling you three new things to do every week. Because I love what that one guy said. Oftentimes, when we just leave with that, we actually think that's the interpretation of the scripture that the pastor's preaching, is the doing. And so we have grounded primarily our Sunday mornings on just, hey, you just sit there, you rest, and you just receive the word of God and let it renew your mind. And then I'll take it back to my home and my work and, and, and to the church, and then you take it to your home and your wife and your kids and your work, and then let's all just trust the Holy Spirit in each other's lives to grow us, to sanctify us, and, and, and then into good works. And then what happens is you become more and more patient with your own life, your own sanctification process. You become more and more patient with other people. You, you don't put law on people disguised as gospel. And so let verses 9 through 40 just... Just receive it. I will make some comments, but just receive these truths because the key word here is for. He tells us some things to do, but then he tells us why. And we desperately, constantly need to always be going back to why am I supposed to be doing the things that I am supposed to be doing? We need to think rightly. These truths are going to renew the mind. This is Christianity 101. And we can sometimes see that as like a mocking statement. You mean I come to church today and you're going to give me Christianity 101? You come to church every Lord's Day, you are going to receive Christianity and theology 101. We don't ever move on from it. It is the foundation in the core of our whole lives, our whole being. And Christianity 101 and theology 101 is verses 9 through 40, and it kind of goes like this, Okay. It's all over the place, so I can't put it in some neat little outline, but I can sum it up, all right? God's going to judge the wicked. Just, just remember that. Don't ever forget it. God is going to judge the wicked. God is going to meet your needs. You may not think he is, even right now, in maybe some of your circumstances, God is going to meet your needs, all right? God is giving you eternal life. Over and over again, we hear in here, we're going to inherit the land, and it's inherit the land forever. So God will judge the wicked. God will meet our needs. We have eternal life. God saves his people. That's it. That's verses 9 through 40. When it's summed up like that, God is going to judge the wicked. God's going to meet my needs. I have eternal life. 
God saves his people, now I can run out the front door and start working. Now I can, with that knowledge in my brain, renewing my mind and my heart, now I can go love my wife and love my kids and love my neighbor and love, you know, my, uh, the, the, the local church and, 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 and love people at work. When I, when, and I can love my enemies, even as Jesus says, is when I remember these basic stuff that God is going to judge the wicked. God is going to meet and is meeting my needs even right now, even in the worst circumstances and trials in my life, God is meeting my needs, all right? Well, I have eternal life and God is saving, has saved, is saving, and will save his people. Summed up this section, I'll get to the section eventually. <laughs> what is our only comfort in life and death? This is summed up that I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. Here we go. Listen to this. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. That's Psalm 37, verses 9 through 40 set up perfectly. And when we really grab a hold of this, that God is sovereign and that I don't belong to myself, but I belong body and soul, both in life and in death to Jesus Christ. When I understand that he preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly father, not a hair can fall from my head and that all things must, must. Why must they work together for my salvation? Because the word of God declares it to be so. And because the word of God declares it to be so, then it must be so. And it is a renewing of the mind that has to take place because our circumstances are constantly yelling at us as we're sitting in our air condition, in our heating homes, and our two refrigerators, and our two cars, and the roof, and the bed, and the clothes, and the running water, and the toilet, and the dishwasher, and the washer and the dryer, and the fenced-in backyard, and the dog. We're constantly thinking that we're like, lacking stuff. It's insane. We all do it. I do it. Or even when we know that we have it all, we're, we're so afraid it's going to be gone the next day. Hey, if it's gone the next day, then that is for your salvation. And we need to constantly be going back to this, how good we got it. Because listen, I'm not preaching to the church down the road or the church in some, right now, some third, country, third world country that maybe doesn't have as good as us. They'll never hear this sermon but we got it good. God is meeting our needs, even right now. And so here we go. Before we get into the doing, the evildoers will be destroyed. So we're going to be saved. Just, I'm not going to go in detail again, like I did last week, but we, this, the, the evil, the evil out there is crazy. It always has been crazy. We have been saved out of it. Praise the Lord for it. But the world hates. I mean, Jesus said, if they, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. I love how he closes it. You know, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, but you're going to face much tribulation. And Paul says, a godly man will be persecuted over and over and over again. We see Jesus' words to the disciples that they're going to 
go through trials and tribulations. And then, then we see in the epistles, they're, they're writing in the context of people being persecuted. I mean, just read 1 Peter. And then we know throughout church history, the, the church is always being persecuted by the world. And yes, we're seeing it heat up even in our culture. But we need to know before we, when we're like, okay, what do I do in light of that? Well, I'll tell you what you need to do. First, you need to know some things. The evildoers will be destroyed. But those who put hope in the Lord, us, will inherit the land. We've got to know that. We've got to know that we know that we know that we know that we know that. We've got to believe it and say, Lord, help me to believe it because it's, uh, it's, it's chaos out there. It's, it's moral insanity out there. A little while and the wicked person will be no more. Though you look for him, he will not be there. We, we just see their kingdom being built. And the word of God says, hey, a little while and the wicked people will be no more. You go around looking for them, they will not be there. Ah, oh, but the humble will inherit the land and will enjoy abundant, abundant prosperity. God's kingdom has come and is coming. We're playing the long game. That's why we, we love the term even slow church, slow church, slow life. Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. The Lord has come and he's coming again. The wicked person schemes against the righteous. We, we know this and gnashes his teeth. I mean, this is like, I think we can sometimes say gnashes his teeth is like figurative, but have you seen these people lately? It's like, it's like they're possessed by Satan himself. Gnashing their teeth at just, just God's um, natural order. Gnashing their teeth at just uh, the, the, the moral code written on every human being. Gnashing their teeth and of course, uh, people that would believe and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what does the Lord do? The Lord, this is out of Psalm 2. The Lord laughs at him. The Lord laughs. When the Lord sees the scheming wicked world out there, it's fine that we would have, I get it. We're, we're, I'm not saying we go around and act like it's no big deal, but notice that, no, the Lord is laughing at them because he knows their day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and strung the bow to bring down the poor and the needy and to slaughter those who weigh is upright. This is what they want to do. Their swords will enter their own hearts and their bows will be broken. This, that's where it's going. And the little that the righteous person has is better than the abundance of many wicked people. Now, you have got to know that so you don't, I'm getting ahead of myself, do not envy those who do wrong. Because it, it just their kingdom just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. They keep, I mean, millions wasn't enough. Hundreds of millions isn't enough. Billions isn't enough. A little bit of your free, it says take, 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 take. And the word of the Lord comes in and says, hey, the little that the righteous person has is better than the abundance of many. Many wicked people, man, for the arms of the wicked will be, will be, future, will be broken, but the Lord supports the righteous. The Lord watches over the blameless all their days, and their inheritance will last forever. The exact opposite of what's going on with the wicked people. They're going to lose everything. They're going to lose, they gain the world. They lose their what? They lose their souls. They will be disgraced in, time, in times of adversity. They will, be, they will not be disgraced in times of adversity, and they will be satisfied in days of hunger. Notice, days of hunger. Now, it's not that we won't ever be hungry, but we're going to be satisfied in the Lord. But the wicked will perish. 
The Lord's enemies, like the glory of the pastors, will fade away. They will fade away like smoke. There one day, gone the next. The wicked person borrows and does not repay. Really? Really? They borrow and they don't repay. But the righteous one is gracious and giving. I, I love little sentences like that. Because yes, it talks about that we are to be gracious and be giving, and, but it, and it's a fruit of the Spirit, and we're like trying to muster up all of our strength. No, this is just the way it is for the people of God. I love how, it, I mean, it does say at other places, but here he doesn't say it's not a command. It's just a statement of fact. The righteous one is gracious in giving. Those who are blessed by the Lord will inherit the land, will inherit the land, will inherit the land but those cursed by him will be destroyed. It's just the same thing over and over again. A person's steps are established by the Lord, the sovereignty of God, and he takes pleasure in his way. Though he falls, falls from what? Probably anything. Falls from maybe sin in his life. Falls from just the onslaught of the wicked and, and the circumstances in life. Though he falls, he will not be overwhelmed because he is so powerful in his own strength. No, I'm just seeing if you guys are reading along. Because the Lord supports him with his hand. That's why. I have seen, I have, now, this section, tricky. I think David, I don't think David's saying that the, the young or that children are never going to be begging for bread. I think this is just his perspective. And he's just saying, man, all glory to God. And here's what he says. I've been young, now I'm an old. I have not yet seen the righteous abandoned. Ah, key word. He doesn't say, I've never seen the righteous suffer or need anything or, again, be hungry or thirsty. No, he says, I've never seen them abandoned, utterly, totally abandoned. And, man, we will never be utterly, totally abandoned, no matter what this life throws at us. And remember, what this life throws at us is only thrown at us because God is in charge, and it is all for our salvation. I have never seen children begging for bread. He is always generous. Again, this is statements. It's just a matter of fact. The righteous, is, they're always generous, always lending, and his children are a blessing. Turn away from evil and do what is good and settle permanently. For the Lord loves justice and will not abandon his faithful ones. They are kept safe forever, but the children of the wicked will be destroyed. The righteous one will inherit the land and dwell in it permanently, will dwell in it forever. That's why I keep highlighting dwell in the land because this isn't just talking about Israel dwelling in the land of the promised land. This is us. This is all of us. We're dwelling in the land forever, permanently. This is speaking of, of eternal life. This is speaking of resurrection life. This is speaking of us in heaven. This is, this is our future. Our future is bright, regardless of if our present is bleak. And even in the bleakness of our present life, in those areas that are bleak, we remember what? That it's all coming from God, and it's all for our good. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom. His tongue speaks what is just. Again, I love that he's not telling us to do this. He tells us this is what we do. It's just who we are. The instruction of God is in his heart. His steps do not falter. The wicked one lies in wait for the righteous and intends to kill him. The Lord will not leave him in the power of the wicked one or allow him to be condemned when he is judged. We will not be overwhelmed and we will not be overpowered by the schemes of the world, by the schemes of the wicked man. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You, I mean, this is <coughs> getting our eyes on eternal things out of Colossians. 
I have seen a wicked, violent person, well-rooted like a flourishing native tree. Then I passed by and noticed he was gone. I searched for him, but could not, could not be found. Same thing over and over again. All right. Watch the blameless and observe the upright for the person of peace will have a future, but the transgressors will be eliminated. The future of the wicked will be destroyed. Same thing. And it's all summed up right here. I could have just read these last two verses. This is what he says about the, the righteous people, the wicked people, and then he's going to tell us some things to do in light of this truth. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord, the refuge in a time of distress. The Lord helps and delivers them. He will deliver them from the wicked and will save them because they take refuge in him. That's, that's the 9 through 40, summed up perfectly. God's got us. Our future is bright. He is going to judge the wicked. He will judge the wicked. He's going to meet our needs in this life. We have eternal life, so let's get our eyes on that, right? God saves his people. Now, in light of all that, we get some, some wisdom. So we got some truth, but we need some wisdom. What do I do with all that truth? Well, he knocks it out of the park for us in verses 1 through 8. Now, this is what they call the third use of the law for the believers. This is, here's some guidance. What are we supposed to do in light of the glorious truths? We need wisdom to know how to use truth, how to apply it to our, our lives. And we have his word. And here, I'm going to go on a tangent real quick. I'll try to reel it back in. This is good news for us. I know it's the law, but it's good news for the people of God that we have these verses here that we have the commands of God because we don't have to figure it out ourselves. We don't have to look at the landscape out there and be like, all right, what, what am I supposed to do? How am I even supposed to think? No, we don't have to try to figure it out. We don't have to try. I did this last week. I'm going to do it again. I'm dropping these little hints. You can ask me questions later. We don't have to take what's going on out there and then do what so many Christians do, which is try to figure out God's will for their lives by trying to figure out which voice in the head is God's. None of, this is good news, none of the voices in your head is God. The voices in your head are you. And so you just get to relax and chill and go to the word of God to decide or to declare and find what his will for you is in life. And here it's beautifully laid out for us. These commands are, again, God's grace to us. God's law is a, a guide for his people. Free in Christ the condemnation of the, and, and not under the condemnation of the law. We now love the law and do the law, the commands of God with gratitude for all he is and all that he's done. And then we just say, Lord, 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 help. And these commands are beautiful. Do not be agitated by evildoers. And why? We already went into the why. Don't, so we know God's got it all. He's got us. He's going to judge them. Our future is bright. Therefore, don't be agitated. Now, he uses the word agitated several times. Don't be freaked out. I think agitated is maybe a little, it kind of, it's kind of a little annoying. No, this is a strong word. Don't be consumed. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't be freaked out. Don't be stressed out by the evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong. Don't envy them and what they have. Why? You know why. God's going to judge them and take it all away. And we get everything. 
So we don't have to envy them. They're going to wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants. Why would we envy that? I, I don't know, but we do. Trust in the Lord and do what, trust in the Lord. What, wait, how? Why? For he's going to judge them. You have eternal life. He's going to save you. He's going to get them. It's going to be all good. Therefore, trust in the Lord and just do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord. When we're freaking out over the evildoers and, and being agitated and stressed out, it's almost as in like we're, it, it robs us. Our mind is on that and we can't even delight in the Lord because we're in a sense, we're not, but air quotes, delighting and in, in, we're just consumed. We love drama. We love fear. For some reason, we're attracted to the very things that are just robbing and stealing and killing our joy. No, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Delight in the Lord, and you're going to get the million dollars. Did I just say that? What does that mean? Delight in the Lord, and guess what? Delight in God, and you will get God. You will get God. You don't, you, you think you need all that stuff, and you wish you had all that stuff. Again, another side tangent, most of the people out there, the world, okay, that looks like their life is perfect because you only see Instagram and Facebook and Twitter posts and Pinterest, and they're always on vacation, and they just, you're, you're working and trying to just barely get by, and they just have, you don't even know what's going on in the homes of most of those people. I mean, just, just on that pure fact alone, you think you want their life. You, you don't know how the wife is treated. You don't even know you, you don't know that, that that couple you want to be is about ready to get divorced because the husband's cheated on the wife and the wife cheated on the, the husband and the kids have never been told I love you by their, their parents, have never been told I'm proud of you. You, you don't know. We're, we're envying a bunch of stuff on the outside. We don't know what's going on, but we do know what's going on generally in the heart of the wicked, don't we? Read verses 9 through 40. We don't want, I don't want that. So, so we don't. We delight in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Cast your burdens on the Lord. We have burdens. Just don't be, don't be overwhelmed by them. Cast your burdens onto the Lord. He will act. He will act. He will. Making your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. Because God gets the last word and the last laugh. You, in Christ, will too. You will not be condemned by the evildoers, he said. Uh, I don't know what verse that was, but it's in chapter, it's in this, this psalm. You won't be. You are going to be vindicated. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. He's going to act. Do not be agitated by the one who prospers in his way, by the person who carries out evil plans. Don't do it. Refrain from anger. It's not talking about righteous anger. Notice the next part. Give up your rage. Do not be agitated. It can only bring harm. And so we have, we have truth and we have wisdom. And then we, we look at wisdom and these commands. And man, many of us, a lot of times we read this, and this is fine. It kind of stings, doesn't it? Doesn't it? For most of us maybe in this room. I mean, most of us, some of us, we're not doing this very well. 
And that's the first use of the law to believers is, man, do not be agitated by evildoers. Fail. Fail. Do not envy those that have everything but are doing wrong. Fail. Trust in the Lord and do what is good. We're growing in that, but none of us are doing it perfect. Take delight in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Cast your burdens on the Lord. Man, all I'm doing is just like running around in my mind all the time. I'm casting my fear onto my wife. My wife's casting her fear onto me. (laughs) Fail. Be silent before the Lord and wait for him. Don't be agitated. Don't be agitated. Don't be agitated. Fail, 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 fail. And it's like, man. But the Lord has done all this perfectly for us. So we, we don't have to condemn one another. We don't even have to come to this and be like, well, I, I'm just going to sit up straight and act like I'm doing this perfectly. And we also don't have to be overwhelmed by the fact that we're not doing it perfectly. I mean, Peter, here's Peter with a Psalm 37-like message. Again, if you're reading that and you're like, I'm doing pretty well, well, I'll read this to you and let's see if you're still doing well. Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you, as if something unusual were happening to you. Fail, fail. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ. Fail. Let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. Fail, fail. So what do I do? I, I just... I go home, the pastor tells me to go home and suck it up, buttercup, and get better. And, and, and then I'm just going to, what? I'm going to still have, like, wins and losses and peaks and valleys and do a little bit better, but then fall back on my face, but then I can't admit that I did that because then now maybe I'm not even saved. I don't want to hear, get away from me. I never knew you because I'm not doing this well. Examine yourself to even see if you're in the faith. Is, is that what we want? Is that what the Bible tells us? No. We fly to Jesus. We, we take our utter, like, sometimes just ability and inability and track record at doing these very well, and we just fly to the one who not only did it well, but did it perfectly. We remember Christ. We fly to Jesus. We remember that Jesus fulfills the commands of Psalm 37 for us. Peter says this, you were called to this suffering because Christ awful, uh, also suffered for you. Now he does say leaving us as an example, leaving us an example, but he suffered for us that you should fall in his footsteps. He did not, here we go. Here's him fulfilling Psalm 37. He did not commit sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Jesus did that. And he did it for us on our behalf. His life was one of suffering too, not just his death. He was a man of sorrows. He understands your sorrows. He understands. He's walked through this. We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Help us to find grace and mercy when we look at the law of God and, and are like, ah, I so want to get better at this. I'm not doing it that well. Fly to Jesus. Go to the throne of grace where he sits, where he has done all this perfectly for you. This isn't like God's done it in Christ, therefore it doesn't matter that I haven't done it. or in, No, this encourages us and emboldens us and strengthens us. 
because we're doing it out of place of gratitude. We're not trying to earn salvation. We're not trying to maintain and keep salvation. We're not trying to prove to one another that we're saved. We're simply doing it because we are saved. We remember the perfect life of Jesus. We remember his perfect keeping of the law, of God's commands, of Psalm 37. We remember his righteousness. All of it has been accredited to us. All of it has been given to us. His life of perfectly trusting in God and obeying the law is ours. And because it's ours, there's no condemnation for us when we see that we're not doing it as like we want to do it. Remembering our union with Christ frees us up to keep God's commands. And again, we do it with gratitude and joy. And when we fail, just like in verse 24, when we fail at keeping his law, we repent and we get back at it. We have God as our father, Christ as our savior, the Holy Spirit as our enabler. We have the church. We have forgiveness of sin. We have Christ's righteousness. We have eternal life. Our future is so bright. What more do we need? We've been given everything for life and godliness. Every spiritual blessing in the heaven is ours. And so when we come to this 9 verses 40 and, and get our eyes for a moment on the wickedness out there and, and this battle between good and evil and how God is going to save his people and judge the wicked and that our future is bright and then we get to verses uh, one through eight are like, okay, in light of that, here's what you do as you are just a pilgrim passing through, surrounded by all this wickedness. <sighs> we remember Christ. We remember that he did this perfectly on our half. We then repent for the fact that we aren't doing it that well. And we say, Lord, help. Help me to just do it in a way with thanksgiving and gratitude and joy. I, I, I actually love your law when I know that it's, I'm not doing it from a place of trying to be saved, stay saved, or prove that I am saved. I want to be who I am in Christ. And this is what the person who is in Christ looks like. And yes, we're never going to get there perfectly, but we grow. We're being sanctified. Lord, sanctify us. Elijah, can you come up? Yep. Psalm 37 is the Bible in miniature. Psalm 37 is the message God's people need to ever have before them. Because it goes like this. What do we need to know? We're in the kingdom of God. We're united to Christ, but I am in this world. What do I need to know? Summed up verses 39 through 40. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord, their refuge in a time of distress. The Lord helps and delivers them. He will deliver them from the wicked and will save them because they take refuge in him. Ever need to have that before us. And as you go through the Bible, it's always put before us. And I'll, here's a couple instances. First Peter, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. Psalm 37. That's verses 9 through 40. He's, he's got you. He's coming for you. But you're going to suffer for a little while. Paul says in Romans, here's Psalm 37. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Psalm 37. 
Again, Psalm 37 from Paul, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purposes. That's what we need to know constantly as we look around out there. What do we need to do in light of those truths? Well, do not be agitated. Do not envy the evildoers. Trust in the Lord. Do what is good. Take delight in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust the Lord. Be silent and wait before the Lord. Again, don't be agitated. Refrain from anger. Give up your rage. Don't be agitated. Don't be agitated. Don't be agitated. Don't be agitated. Don't be freaked out. That can best be summed up in verse 34. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the Lord land forever. And so we rest. We, we, we see the world out there. Psalm 37 comes flying in and says, hey, I see the world out there too, and this is what's in store for everybody. This is what's in store for you, child of God. This is what's in store for the wicked people. All right? Now, go rest ultimately. Quit freaking out. Relax. Here we go. Chin up. <laughs> Plot on. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Rejoice a little or hopefully a lot along the way. Trust the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Our redemption is drawing nearer. We will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. Man, what a good word for us as it just seems to just keep getting hotter and hotter and the heat just keeps getting turned up higher and higher and higher. And the world, the world just, it, it just, it keeps getting, they're, they're, they're agitated. They hate the children of God. And we sometimes can forget to do the basics because we forget to think about the basics of Christianity. And today we're just sitting afresh under Theology 101 and Application 101. And now we are built up and encouraged to then better go be pilgrims in the midst of a, of a crazy battle, knowing that the Lord is going to win and knowing that our future is bright. And we're now able to get out of our own brains, our own stinking thinking, and our own fear, our own anxiety, and we're able to just relax in the Lord and encourage and trust and do the works that God has predestined before the very foundation of the world for us to do. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. We love you. We need you. We need your word. I'm so grateful for your word. So grateful for your son. Lord, you have saved us from the, the penalty of sin. You are saving us from the power of sin. And one day, reminded again today in Psalm 37, you are going to save us from the very presence of sin. Lord, may we never lose sight of the glorious truth that salvation belongs to the Lord. And as our minds are renewed day by day by that one fact, Lord, help us to be better pilgrims. Help us to be better Christians. Help us to be who we are in Christ. Help us to grow. In Jesus' name, amen.